Welcome to part two of the business of busy. If you're listening along at home, I hope you're enjoying this series so far. Um, Thank you for listening to the first two or one episodes, whatever you did. If you haven't been listening, I guess I'll give you a little background. This is not the kind of series that's going to tell you how to hustle or manage your time to achieve. It's pretty much the antithesis to that. Ultimately, I believe hustle, hurry, busy are the root of the problems in our life. And today I want to delve a little deeper into that problem. After I do that, I'm going to go into the solutions, which I've already mentioned briefly throughout, but um, they're things like simplicity, silence, stopping, slowing, rest, and I'm going to go over them really soon with you guys. But I'm keen to go a little bit deeper first into the problem. And I want to focus on a part on one of the problems I've noticed with busy or hurry or hustle. And that is really that there is a constant struggle to be present, especially in times of rest and time set aside for family. There is this constant struggle to be present. Our families pay the ultimate price in the business of busy. We struggle to be present and I'm not just talking physically because our working hours are longer, but mentally as well. And before I get into it, I really don't want to be flaky and I'm trying not to gloss over the fact that we have to work. We have to work and provide and often that work extends into overtime, which I understand completely. Like I said, I've accumulated so much busyness in my life. And that also included a business, which requires me to work outside of normal working hours. But I will say that it's a choice to work far outside those hours. It's a choice to be thinking about and preparing for work during delegated or set aside family time, during rest time, during holiday time. It's a choice to put the most value and time and energy into your work life. And I had to go back to work when my daughter was four months old. So I totally get having to provide. And I also work for a not-for-profit. And the work we do is important and valuable and often hard to walk away from. So I feel a sense of responsibility. So just all this to say, I understand. I understand it all. I'm not immune to the juggle or feeling pressure. Um, Work is necessary for most people. But being a slave to what we do isn't. And I think that that's where the difference is. In this season, I've especially learnt that urgent isn't always urgent. My family time is now non-negotiable. I work part-time. I'm really blessed in that. Um, I I love working part-time. I work three days a week. And unless it's an all-out, full-blown emergency, I will not work on my days off. I won't answer calls. I'll rarely respond to emails. My work days are outlined and I just, I won't work outside of them unless it's completely, completely necessary. And while some people may think that's inflexible, I, I don't anymore. I've really learned that most of the time things can actually wait. It can wait another day. Like I said, urgent isn't always urgent. And it also means that the time that I have I spend more productively because I'm not half-hearted or rushed or thinking about 300 other things. It's focused and it's intentional. And I'm going to get into that a little bit more when I talk about slowing. But if you look at your week and plan out what you have to do, so plan out, say, look across your seven days and look at what's allocated to your job, your other commitments, activities, etc., what do you have left for your family? So it could be a weekend, 
For some mums, it could be a day or two. Uh, It could just be a Sunday for some families. And then I would ask you to say, ask you to ask yourself out of that time, how much of it do we actually spend being present with our families? How much do we allow other things to creep in? How much of that time do we spend saying no to unimportant things that can really wait if we think deeply about it? Things that we think that we have to do. And how much of that do we let get in the way or in the middle of our family time, which is crucial and important time. You know, work is non-negotiable. School is non-negotiable. So family time should be non-negotiable. Yet often we're more willing to schedule things that aren't completely necessary into that family time. And our families are left with the scraps of these busy lives we lead. And it sounds really harsh and I don't want it to, but it's a truth that I think I've come to terms with recently. And I'm definitely working at changing the dynamic in my home life. And I haven't got it perfect at all, <laughs> not even a little bit, but it's, it's something that I really realized. And it, it was a truth that came to me and I'm trying to change that dynamic. We should never feel bad or guilty or silly or strange or any of those things about protecting family time. It's not just, you know, special, but it's the most sacred, the most special thing that we have, especially if you're a parent or you're married. Family is the most important thing we have in our lives and we need to treat it that way. We need to treat it as if it's the most sacred time, as if it's the most important thing that we have. We carve out time for work as adults and school for kids. So we need to create a habit of carving out time specifically for our families and our loved ones. It might feel like work at first because you really do have to work at it. You have to carve out that time. You have to take a block out. You have to block everything else out of your mind. So like work on being present. And it might feel like work to begin with, but these things are definitely a practice. And I think it's something that we need to continually practice, even if it feels hard. And so while it might feel like work at first, when you really do learn how to be present and in the moment and take time to enjoy each other without like a hurried state of mind, it's incredibly life-giving. It's, it's probably the most life-giving thing in my life. And it's a part of my self-care for sure. We talk a lot about self-care, which is wonderful. And it's so important, but we also need to, as well as nurturing ourselves, we need to nurture and, and give to our families in a way that isn't just doing things for them, but just being with them. We need to be as intentional about nurturing ourselves, our relationships, as we are at working and doing. And I mentioned, I don't do goals and resolutions anymore, which people might roll their eyes out. And I understand that. I'll admit it's a little extreme in some ways, and it it probably isn't for everybody. And that's fine. And I also want to say that I still have things that I want to do. I still have dreams. I'm a massive overachiever. Um, and I, and just, a dreamer at heart. So there are definitely still things that I want to achieve and do, but I think those things now come without this weight or pressure or burden. There aren't like 10 must do things having hanging over my head for the year 2020. I think now my pursuit, and this is the difference is to ensure that I'm becoming someone that I'm becoming someone I want to be, that I'm loving the people around me well, that I'm putting what I can into those relationships, the relationships that are really important. Brene Brown says to write out 
um, the list of people that really mattered to you on, I think it's one inch by one inch square piece of paper. And um, anything, anyone that isn't on that list shouldn't matter. And I really loved that concept. And I really loved that that idea. I want to be loving the people around me well. And then I can think about work and I can think about business after that. That definitely takes time and effort and focus. And I keep saying it, but it takes being intentional. And if there's time after that to achieve other things, then that's great. But it's also okay if there's not because I'm becoming someone I want to be and my relationships are healthy. And to be honest, I'd rather focus on forming good habits. Ultimately, we are what we do. And our habits, whether we like it or not, are the things that are actually forming us. You are what you do on a daily basis. So regardless of the goals you have, the dreams you have, the ideas you have, if your habits are all off, well, then your goals are going to be anyway. And I think that's the difference. What you do is forming you. It's shaping you. It's scientifically proven because we know how powerful neuroplasticity works. Um, it's incredibly powerful spiritually. And I think God knew that. Well, he absolutely knew that because he said, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Don't fall into the habits. Don't conform to the culture. Don't just roll into it. Be intentional. Think about what you do. Renew your mind. That's what Romans says. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have to be careful what we let in, what we're, what we're doing, what we're watching, what we're thinking, what we're saying, all of that. It's all part of it and it all forms who we are. And the first solution I believe to the business of busy is slowing down. It doesn't sound great groundbreaking and I'm sorry it doesn't it doesn't sound more groundbreaking, but it's an incredibly important value or discipline to practice. And when I say slowing, I mean it literally. I mean slowing down, slowing down our pace when we're walking, when we're driving, when we're traveling from place to place, slowing our mind down, slowing our bodies down, not constantly moving from one thing to the other all the time, not rushing from place to place. It's a big one. Someone um, not so long ago gave my husband a piece of advice and I really loved it. And they said this, they said, be generous with your money and ruthless with your time. And when I first heard that, I was like, no, that can't be right. I don't agree with that. And I didn't know if I agreed, but now I totally understand what they were saying. We're so busy these days and we literally hand our time over to anything and everything without a second thought. And in doing so, we have nothing left to give. Nothing. There is no margin in our life. But being ruthless with your time adds margin. In all the busyness we have going on, we can totally miss moments, like really miss the moments in our life that are happening around us, moments with the people we love, moments with people we might come across, moments with our kids, with you know my family, my husband. But if I slow right down, it gives margin in my life for the things that matter. If I'm ruthless in what I give my time to, then it means that I might have time to stop and to listen to someone, to speak to someone, to stop and look around, to really be intentional. And I've been thinking so much about this and how it relates to Jesus as a Christian and how he would have walked. You know, what did his pace look like? If he's my example for living well, how did he walk? I imagine that he would have walked slowly 
And I am not a slow, I'm maybe a little bit of a slow walker. My husband will tell you I'm a slow walker because he's like speedy, always walking ahead of me. It's like a pet peeve of mine. But yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm a slow person by nature. I talk really fast, which you'll probably come to know. Um, But what did, how did Jesus walk? He definitely would have walked slowly. And so many of us are way too rushed and our phone is in our face half the time. But I can't imagine Jesus doing that. I love, for example, the story of Zacchaeus in the tree. Jesus is walking around and he spots this man up in a tree and he invites himself over for lunch. And that to me just proves like the way of Jesus, the walk of Jesus. He was still on a mission. He still had places to go to, people to see, things to do. But he stops for the man in the tree. What are we missing because we're in a rush? We barely notice the people around us. We barely notice the world passing us by and our lives just have no margin anymore. And, you know, we have to think about how we're walking. And slowing down can mean quite a few different things. And I've taken a lot of the examples I'm going to use from the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. So, yeah, I highly recommend you read that just to, that because it goes more into depth than I could. Um, but he says, make it a habit, for example, to not drive in the fast lane. And that's something I actually have always just done because um, maybe because I don't feel the need to rush on the road now. Prior to this, I was a bit of a crazy driver. I think I've had about six. It's so bad. I've had about six car accidents. I've written two off. And so I learned by default that I really have to be careful on the road. So I actually drive in the slow lane so that I don't speed. Um, So it enjoys ensures you're not going over the speed limit, but it also does things like while you're driving, it slows your body down, your heart rate down. It also means you learn to leave earlier so you don't leave room for stress-filled, anxious car rides. So slowing the way we drive down. The next, and I really love this one, is choosing to wait patiently without your phone or any other means of distraction. So in a recent Microsoft survey, I think it was, I think it was something like 78% of people said that when they're bored, they reach for their phone. It's a habit, right? It's almost like an addiction. But what if we use those moments to simply wait, to get bored, to be in the moment, to be present to our surroundings? We're so caught up in the world on our phone that the world around us passes us by. And it sounds crazy or way too simple, but it's not until you actually practice it that you realize how much it changes you. Like waiting and being present in the moment reduces anxiety. And we know that scrolling on our phone for hours of the day increases anxiety. So it reduces anxiety, but that's also because it does something else. It cultivates patience and it's something that we're severely lacking. Slowing down cultivates patience. We're so used to having unlimited resources at our fingertips that we don't know how to wait or learn from something. And so when something doesn't go our way, we totally fall apart. We don't know how to handle it. I've heard it compared to like a spoiled child. So a sport child's so used to getting what they want when they want it that when they don't get it, they fall apart. And that's totally us. But, you know, when it comes then time for us for our schedule to be interrupted, we've actually practiced for it. And it doesn't throw us into this like anxiety-induced meltdown. 
a few other ways are just to walk slower and to look up when you're walking, to practice active listening, which is definitely something that I have to remind myself to do um, with my loved ones. It doesn't always come naturally or easy. And especially my kids, like, I mean, if you're a mum, you know, you hear mum, mum, mum a thousand times a day. It drives you crazy. And I'm trying as best as I can now, as best as I can to stop and face them and engage them when they call me or ask me a question instead of like yelling, what do you want from across the house, which is totally, you know, a normal response in my house. But I'm trying to stop. I'm trying to stop and turn and engage them in proper conversation and do the same for the people around me. You know, we've lost the art of conversation completely. And we have to stop and also focus on one task at a time. That's another thing that as mums we can struggle with. It is really hard to do. I know we have a hundred thousand things to do, but multitasking is a myth. It's been discovered recently that multitasking is a total myth. So I find it now easier to break my day into blocks. That's how I do it. So a block for writing back to emails if I'm working, like one block of the day for doing washing. And if I don't finish it all past that hour, then that's fine. I've done what I can. And it feels good doing this because you've been productive. You know, you've spent the time doing something. And it also means that you're focusing on one thing at a time and focusing on one thing at a time helps you to just Um, be productive while you're doing it and you're not hurried or thinking about other things. So yeah, definitely increases your productivity overall. And slowing also means that you can be proactive instead of being reactive all the time. So there's just a number of like little things that you can really change to start to lean into what slowing down can look like for you. If you really want to address the business of busy, I would say that this this practice is the best place to start. And for the fact that it cultivates patience and reduces anxiety alone, um, this is also great for your kids, also a great thing for your kids to do. So boredom nurtures a child's curiosity and creativity. It does the same for us as adults as well. It is so incredibly important for children. And I absolutely let my kids get bored. Like sometimes I'll just no screens, turn off the TV. If they ask me to play, I'll be like, no, I'm doing, mum's doing something right now. And I will just watch them and they start to play and come up with these games. And if you know my children, they are ridiculously creative creatures and they actually do spend hours just playing together. And I love that. I love that my kids get bored and they can start to be creative and we need to do the same to ourselves. You know, I love that idea that we need to sometimes treat ourselves like a child, like rest when we need it, eat when we're hungry, play, create, get bored, listen, learn, like all of these things. It's it's a great way to treat yourself as well. And while I'm on all of this, um, a few people made comments I noticed about how, how can you fit a podcast or like, What time do you have to fit in a podcast on top of everything else? And I know I like preach about the business of busy and I'm a busy person, but, um, I guess I'm not, I'm not here to tell you how to fit more in, but I just want to address this for a second. The truth is that I've cut out a lot of meaningless stuff in my life so I can fit in these things. So I can fit in the things I love, the things that fill me, the things that are life-giving, I, as I said, I work in blocks. So I'll spend time 
at work. And then once work is done, then that's it. Like I sign off and I'm done. And then, you know, so the little ways, I definitely cut out the meaningless. And I also plan out my day in a way that means I'll be productive, but I also will practice, you know, nurturing myself and my family. And I'm totally fine with myself if I fail. Like if I don't get it right, whatever, it's fine. I'll try again the next day because there's no expectation for me to like get all of these things done in one day. It's like one thing at a time, one step at a time. And I think it's a really, um, it's really helped me. And it does take time and it does take discipline. And it's a word that people don't really like, but I'm a super disciplined person. And it requires, because it requires discipline because it requires breaking habits. Breaking habits like looking at our phone for hours on end, um, spending hours on YouTube or Netflix or, you know, reading through thousands of blogs, whatever, whatever your vice is. Not to say I don't read, but I, I don't spend hours doing those things. They're kind of not, they're not of interest to me anymore because I want to focus on the things that fill me and are life giving and all of that. But anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it there. If you're interested in the concept of slowing or want to know a little bit more about what I'm talking about, if I haven't explained it properly, please shoot through any questions to me via my DM or email me, bianca.seratore at gmail.com, and we can go over them. And I'd, I'd love to hear from you anyway. I'd love to hear how you're responding to this, what you think. Am I crazy? Who is this person? Why does she talk so fast? All of that. I'd love to hear it. Um, next, I'm going to be talking a bit about simplicity, uh, a simple kind of lifestyle, uh, almost like a minimalistic way of living. I cut my credit cards up last year at the beginning of the year. So I've lived officially credit card free. It's been the best feeling. But anyway, I am by no means like a frugal kind of person, but I'll get into talking about simplicity and what that looks like and how I've started practicing it. Definitely something I've started and I'm yeah, it's, it's, it's a practice, but yeah, I think the first, the first way to really lean into this and how to fix things and address the habits is to really think about your family time, how you're spending it to look at your daily habits and know the way you're living, the, your thinking, the way you're spending your time is forming you. So look at your habits before you create any new goals. And I want to end by reading a poem that I wrote, which Hey, I might do on this podcast from time to time. I don't know. I haven't really planned it. But this poem, I feel, really encapsulates what I've been feeling. And I hope it really reaches you where you're at too. I see the poems that I write or poems that I read as a bit of a mantra or an affirmation because I think words are really powerful and speaking them out is really powerful. And you'll see how powerful they are when I do my series on words eventually. I'm getting way ahead of myself. I have to slow down. Anyway, I'm going to read this poem to you guys. So it's hustle is no longer the feet, the beat my feet march to. I'd rather walk slow to rhythms of grace. I'd rather just stop to take moments of rest. My heart won't be swept up in a chorus of chaos. No matter the rush, I'm no slave to that song. I won't carry the business of busy along. The business of busy does not make me strong. I hope you have a great week. I hope you can try even just one day to practice this value of slowing, see what it does for your day. Let yourself get bored, slow down, drive slower and have a really great week. I'll see you soon.